Welcome to the end of innocence, the JFK assassination. I'm your host, John Young. There have been events in the history of our country that have shaken us to our core. Moments that you remember exactly where you were when the event happened. Events such as the Martin Luther King assassination, the Robert Kennedy assassination, the Space Shuttle Challenger disaster, the Oklahoma City bombing, the 9-11 attacks, the first reports of COVID-19 virus, and for those old enough to remember, the JFK assassination. If you were old enough to remember the assassination, where were you when it occurred? But for the sake of this podcast, where was Lee Harvey Oswald when it occurred? Last week, we looked at what witnesses in Dealey Plaza saw minutes before the assassination. Some saw one or two men in the sixth floor windows of the Texas School Book Depository. Some saw no men, but a rifle sticking out a window on the sixth floor. But did anyone see Lee Harvey Oswald on the sixth floor before, during, or after the shooting? That is the question we will try to answer today. Harvey Oswald is one of the most infamous names in American history. But is that really fair? Did he really kill President John F. Kennedy? In today's episode, we will look at the eyewitness statements from the Texas School Book Depository to find out whether the evidence supports the idea that Oswald could have been in place on the sixth floor to fire those shots. Where was Lee Harvey Oswald when the shots were fired? One of the purposes of this podcast is to look at witness statements and sworn testimony to find out some of the facts that our history books didn't tell us about the assassination. There are many unanswered questions when it comes to the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. Did Lyndon Johnson know about the assassination beforehand? Was the CIA, Mafia, or Cuban exiles involved in the assassination? Were the shooters on the grassy knoll? Why was Kennedy killed? Who benefited? and who had the power to cover it up. According to the Warren Commission, on November 22, 1963, at 12.30 p.m., Lee Harvey Oswald fired three shots from the sniper's nest that he constructed out of cardboard boxes in the southeast corner window of the sixth floor of the Texas School Book Depository Building. The School Book Depository, now known as the Dallas County Administration Building, is a seven-story brick building that looks out on Dealey Plaza in downtown Dallas. It's a park-like area where several roads come together. The purpose of the school book depository was to act as a multi-floor warehouse for storing school textbooks and fulfilling orders for those books. Lee Oswald applied for a job at the school book depository on October 15, 1963, a little more than a month before the assassination. He began working as a temporary employee the next day. Oswald was an order filler, which meant that he reviewed orders of textbooks and then obtained those textbooks from wherever they were located within the school book depository. The 5th, 6th, and 7th floors of the building housed the overflow stock of books. The orders that Oswald filled were mostly on behalf of publisher Scott Forsman. The Scott Forsman books were all on the 1st floor and the 6th floor, so it would not have been out of the ordinary for Oswald to be seen on the 6th floor. 
But the question is, was he on the sixth floor at the time of the assassination? If he was, surely some witnesses saw him there. One witness who helped incriminate Oswald in the assassination of President John F. Kennedy was a book depository employee named Charles Givens. The Warren Commission gave prominence to his testimony that he had forgotten his cigarettes on the sixth floor and that when he went to retrieve them just before noon, he had countered Lee Oswald near the southeast corner window. But while Givens supposedly exchanged a few words with Oswald on the sixth floor, other witnesses observed him on the first floor at the same time. Most of all, Givens' testimony was suspect because in his affidavit to the Dallas police later that afternoon, he said nothing about forgetting his cigarettes, returning to the sixth floor, or meeting Oswald there an omission that was incomprehensible if the encounter was authentic. On December 2, 1963, Charles Givens was interviewed by the Secret Service. He said he had seen Oswald on the sixth floor about 11.45 a.m., shortly after which he and some fellow workers had boarded the two elevators as they headed down for lunch. While racing to the first floor, Oswald called to them to send one elevator back up so he could go to lunch. Again, Givens said nothing about a return to the sixth floor for his cigarettes at any time after the elevator race. The key witness that the Warren Commission relies on to place Lee Harvey Oswald on the sixth floor at 1230 is pipe fitter Howard Brennan. We mentioned Brennan in detail in last week's episode. Brennan was leaning against a four-foot-high retaining wall on the corner of Houston and Elm, directly across the street from the Texas School Book Depository Building. Brennan noticed a man in the window of the southeast corner of the sixth floor. According to Brennan, when he looked up at a window from the street corner, he thought the man was about 5'10", white, slender build, and had dark brown hair. He said the man looked between 25 to 35 years old. When Brennan looked up after the first shot was fired, he says he saw the same man with a rifle in the window. At a lineup of suspects on the night of the assassination, Brennan could not identify Oswald as the man he saw in the window earlier that day. Brennan claims that he had a good look at the man in the window, and he even adds, quote, I knew I could never forget the face I had seen in the window on the sixth floor of the Texas School Book Depository, end quote. But yet he couldn't pick him out of a lineup? Brennan was the only witness putting Oswald specifically with a gun in his hand on the sixth floor of the depository that day. Bonnie Ray Williams, Harold Norman, and James Jarman were three African-American men who worked at the Texas School Book Depository on November 22, 1963. All three employees were on the fifth floor of the depository at the time of President Kennedy's assassination. They are considered key witnesses because they were just below the assassin's perch on the sixth floor of the depository. The three men were there to eat their lunch and watch the president's motorcade pass by the depository. Pretty famous photo of the men were taken by Tom Dillard, the chief photographer for the Dallas Morning News. The photo was snapped only seconds after the assassination and it shows all three men looking out windows of the fifth floor. No doubt these three men may have just been a floor away from an assassin firing in the sixth floor window of the Texas School Book Depository, whoever that assassin may have been. But could these three tell us anything about Oswald's movements before the assassination? At approximately 12 p.m., Bonnie Ray Williams ate his lunch near the southeast corner of the sixth floor of the depository. This exact area would later be known as the Sniper's Nest. He did not see anyone else on the floor. Williams finished his lunch within 15 minutes and left the remnants there, placing a Dr. Pepper bottle on a box. Somewhere around 12.15 p.m., Williams left the sixth floor. He took an elevator to the fifth floor, where he convened with Norman and Jarman. The three moved to the south end of the building, facing Elm Street, to watch the motorcade. Bonnie Ray Williams testified that as the president's car passed, he thought Kennedy was simply brushing his hair back. 
Then he heard two to three shots nearby, and he had thought that the noise was fireworks or motorcycle backfire. Williams did not pay attention to the first shot, but by the second shot, had some idea of what was going on as the shot shook the building and windows, causing concrete debris to fall on his head, which he wiped away shortly after. According to Williams, Jarman was the first to state, quote, man, someone is shooting at the president, end quote. Furthermore, Norman also said to Williams that he saw the president slump and that he could hear the rifle shells hitting the floor just above him. Williams himself did not hear the rifle shells being discharged or see President Kennedy slump over. Williams originally told the FBI that he only heard two shots. He later recanted, conceding that he was excited and couldn't remember too well. But later on, as everything began to die down, he got his memory even a little better than on the 22nd and more accurately remembered that he heard three shots. Remember that one man's floor could be another man's ceiling. That was certainly true in the Texas School Book Depository. The building had old wooden floors, and certainly if you were on the fifth floor, you could have heard footsteps if someone was above you. The thing that I always thought was strange is that none of the three men said they heard a peep above their heads before the assassination. The old floor creaked with every step, so not sure how someone could have been scurrying around directly above these guys without them hearing a single thing before the shooting. They could hear the shells hitting the floor, but not the footsteps? Harold Norman and James Jarman gave television interviews after the assassination, highlighting their interactions with Oswald that day. Here's what Harold Norman had to say. That particular morning, three or four were standing by the window, and uh, Oswald came over, and he said, uh, what's everybody looking at, and what's everybody excited about? And so uh, we told him we were waiting on the president. So he just snurred up, walked away. Here's what James Jarman had to say. I was talking to him, uh, Around about 10 o'clock on the outside of the building, some people had gathered. And uh, he asked me what was they gathering around out there for. Uh, and I told him that the president was supposed to come by that, that morning. And he asked me what time, and I didn't know what time it would be, but some of the people had started gathering around. And he asked me which way would the president be coming. And I told him, and so he said, oh, yeah. And I said, yeah. And then he turned around and walked off. Here's Harold Norman describing what he heard during the assassination. Well, I was uh, looking out the window, and uh, the first shot was fired. Well, it, you know, I didn't think much of it because it kind of, uh, you know, shook the building a little bit. Really. It was just that powerful. Then after the second shot was fired, well, I saw the people. They were all falling on the ground, and, and I told one of the fellows, I said, that shot came from this building. And uh, then by the time I got to the third shot, and one of the guys told me, I believe you're right, man. I said, I know it did. And then I could, you know, also hear the hulls, empty hulls hitting the cartridges hitting the floor. And I could hear the rejection of the rifle, whatever it was. I don't, and um, the first thing we thought is we better get out from here because. Here's Barney Ray Williams describing what he heard during the assassination. So um, when the uh, president came around, we remember seeing him standing up and waving. And he's trying to go down Elm Street. Uh, we heard a shot and uh, we saw the president slump. We'll be proud of that, though. We uh, decided there was some fireworks and everything, you know? And then after we saw him slump, we said, I think one guy, I don't remember which one it was, said that uh, I believe they're shooting at the president. And I believe it came from up right up over us. How many shots did you hear? I heard three. The first and second was further apart than the uh, second and the third. In other words, that was a bang and a bang-bang like that, you know? 
Oswald's whereabouts between 11.45 a.m. and 12.29 p.m. is documented by five different witnesses who claim to have seen him on the first or second floor. According to Dallas Homicide Captain Will Fritz, Oswald told him that he was on the first floor in the domino room at the time of the assassination having his lunch. Captain Fritz testified, quote, I asked him what part of the building he was in at the time the president was shot. He said he was having lunch about this time on the first floor, end quote. The domino room was a recreational room on the first floor where the employees would take their breaks. The lunch room was on the second floor, but many of the warehouse employees used the first floor domino room to eat their lunch and play dominoes. Depository witness testimony was unanimous. Oswald always ate his lunch in the domino room, which was on the same floor as the entrance to the Texas School Book Depository. Let's take a look at Oswald's movements 30 to 45 minutes before the assassination. At least five key witnesses claim they saw Lee Oswald on the first or second floor before or after the shooting. Commission Document 5, page 329, claims in an affidavit on the day after the assassination, Charles Givens claimed that he saw Oswald in the domino room where the employees eat lunch at about 11.50 a.m. Another witness, Bill Shelley, gave testimony supporting Oswald being in the first floor domino room at 11.50. Witness number three, Janitor Eddie Piper, also saw Oswald on the first floor at noon. These sightings of Oswald on the first floor between 11.45 and 12 give credibility to Givens' original statement of seeing Oswald reading the newspaper in the domino room at 11.50 a.m. During questioning by FBI agent James Bookout, Lee Oswald claimed that he saw two Negro employees in the domino room. One he recognized as Junior. The other was a shorter man whose name he did not recall. The junior he referred to was James Jr. Jarman. The other man was Harold Norman. In his Warren Commission testimony, Jarman admitted being in the domino room at the time Oswald said he was, but denied seeing Oswald. He said that after descending from the sixth floor, he went to the first floor to wash up. He then picked up his lunch in the domino room and went upstairs to the second floor to buy a soda from the machine. He returned to the domino room where he ate a part of his sandwich while standing, then walked around on the first floor eating his sandwich and drinking his soda. Harold Norman also ate his lunch in the domino room. Although he admitted that there was someone else there with him, he could not remember who it was. Norman's lack of memory of who had lunch with him on the day the President of the United States was assassinated is strange. He remembered that after eating his lunch, he stood on the sidewalk with Danny Akery. He recalled seeing Roy Truly and Depository Vice President O.V. Campbell and Billy Lovelady outside as well. He said that he returned to the building with James Jarman. He remembered coming out of the building after the shooting and seeing Howard Brennan. He remembered being interviewed by an FBI agent named Kurtz on November 26th. Harold Norman could remember all these details, but not who he had lunch with in the domino room? Could the other person in the domino room have been Lee Harvey Oswald? If Oswald had been on the 6th floor prior to 12.15 p.m., as the Warren Commission believed, it was a remarkable coincidence that out of all the employees of the depository, Oswald was able to pick out the two who were together as he claimed, on the same floor as he claimed, in the same room as he claimed, and at the same time as he claimed. How could he have known all this from the 6th floor? Now we will talk about one of the most important witnesses in the JFK assassination. Depository Secretary, Carolyn Arnold. K. 
Carolyn Arnold told the FBI that as she was leaving the Texas School Book Depository, she saw Lee Oswald on the first floor. FBI notes indicated that she claimed to have seen Oswald a few minutes before 12.15, but in her original statement, she indicated that she left the building at 12.25 p.m., a fact that she repeated in a March 1964 affidavit. The published schedule in the Dallas Morning News showed that the motorcade was due to pass through Dealey Plaza at 12.25. Carolyn Arnold spotted Lee Harvey Oswald in the first floor domino lunchroom at approximately 12.25. By this time, the president's assassin would have been positioned and ready in the depository window. It seems illogical that the alleged assassin would be casually hanging around the first floor just seconds before the expected arrival time of the intended target, especially with the sniper's nest five floors and diagonally length of the building away. One very important note is that Oswald had no knowledge that the motorcade was running five minutes behind schedule because the president had taken extra time to shake hands and speak with well-wishers at Love Field. The fact that Carolyn Arnold had seen Oswald in the lunchroom at 1225 should prove that Oswald wasn't even involved in the shooting that day at all. I had the pleasure of speaking with Carolyn Arnold in Dallas on November 22, 1997, which was the 34th anniversary of the assassination. She sticks to her story even to this day, even though she has received numerous death threats over the years. She told me, quote, I am 100% positive that Lee Oswald was in the first floor of lunchroom at 12.25 that day. He was sitting there calmly eating his lunch. I didn't speak to him, but I am positive that it was him. But I am sure it was 12.25 because I knew the president was scheduled to come through the plaza at that time and I was afraid I was going to miss the motorcade. I got tied up with some work and when I looked up at the clock, I remember clearly it was 12.25. I remember thinking, I bet I missed him because it was already 12.25, end quote. If Arnold left the building at 12.25 to watch the parade and saw Lee Harvey Oswald on the first floor, he could not have been the killer of President Kennedy. It also means that the FBI lied in its report on the time that she claimed to have seen him. They needed Lee Harvey Oswald in the sixth floor window at 12.25, so they changed the time to a few minutes before 12.15 rather than a few minutes after 12.25 in order to give Oswald time to get to the sixth floor. Not surprisingly, Carolyn Arnold was never called as a witness by the Warren Commission. Approximately 72 seconds after the shots ended and Oswald had returned to the snack room to buy a soda from the machine, Officer Marion Baker and Superintendent of the Depository Building, Roy Truly, confronted him in the snack room as he was buying a soda. Truly told Baker that it was alright and that Oswald in fact worked for him. At that time, Truly mentioned to Oswald that President Kennedy had been shot. Oswald seemed genuinely surprised. Truly then tells Oswald to go home as the depository would be closed for the rest of the day. Is Oswald out of breath from racing down four flights of stairs after supposedly shooting the president? Officer Baker says absolutely not. He seemed very calm. Baker and Truly then left the snack room and headed upstairs to investigate further. Here's Dallas Patrol Officer Marion Baker talking about his encounter with Oswald 90 seconds after the assassination. Now riding the back trails of Texas, a former Dallas motorcycle officer recalls a remarkable encounter he had within 90 seconds of the assassination. The first policeman into the depository was Marion Baker. I worked for the Dallas Police Department as a motorcycle officer and signed the motorcade that day. I was probably five or six cars back from the lead car of the motorcade. I had gotten about halfway between Maine and Houston when I heard these three shots. And immediately I knew they was in front of me and high. And uh, as I looked up, I saw this huge flock of pigeons flying from the top of this building. I rode my motorcycle over to the corner of the intersection 
parked it and then ran in the building, which took me a very few seconds to do this. When I got through the front doors into the lobby of the building, I asked where the elevators or the stairs would be. And one man spoke up, said, I'm Mr. Truly, I'm the building manager. And he said, come on, officer, I'll show you. So he and I continued on to the back of the building and up some stairways at the back of the building to the second floor. And as we came out of the second, on the second floor, I saw a, through a doorway, a window in this doorway, uh, a man uh, movement. So I went over and opened up the door, and this man was walking away from it. And uh, the next room, I later found out, was a coffee room. As seen earlier by his fellow workers, Oswald was still alone in the lunchroom. I called to the man, and he turned around, and Mr. Truly was there beside him, and I asked him if he knew this man or if he worked there. He said, yes, he does. He was calm, ordinary, you know. He, he didn't look excited or anything like that. In order to fire the shots from the sixth floor, Oswald needed to squeeze his way out of the sniper's perch, pick his way between stacks of books to the far side of the building, hiding the gun en route, to send four flights of stairs to the lunchroom unobserved, and yet appear calm and unruffled in his encounter with Officer Baker, all within 90 seconds. The last thing we're going to look at today is the testimony of a couple of Texas School Book Depository employees, Victoria Adams and Sandra Stiles. Let's see what they have to add about Oswald's whereabouts within the book depository around the time JFK was shot. Adams was a book depository employee who testified that she went down the same stairs that Oswald would had to have traveled down from the fourth floor to the first floor within one minute of the shooting, and she did not see Oswald. The Warren report concluded that Adams must have been mistaken about the details of her timing and ultimately discounted her testimony. Author Barry Ernest, who wrote the book entitled The Girl on the Stairs, talks about Victoria Adams and Sandra Stiles here. I'm Barry Ernest, author of The Girl on the Stairs. It's the story of a neglected witness by the name of Victoria Adams, who posed a serious threat to the Warren Commission's fundamental thesis of how Lee Oswald escaped from the sixth floor in the aftermath of the shooting. Miss Adams witnessed the assassination while standing behind a fourth floor window of the Texas School Book Depository. Immediately after the final shot, she and a co-worker descended the depository's back stairs to the ground floor. Their innocent attempt to determine what was happening outside turned into a critical problem for the developing official account. For if Miss Adams was accurate with her timing, she was on the staircase at the exact same moment the commission said Oswald was there as he made his getaway from the sniper's nest. Yet neither Miss Adams nor her accompanying co-worker saw or heard anyone. In a February 1964 internal memo, Warren Commission staff lawyer David Bellin identified Miss Adams as an important witness and he wrote that he intended to resolve the timing issue of exactly when she was on the stairs. On the contrary, no attempt was made to verify or even further examine her information. Before a stenographer was brought in to transcribe Miss Adams' official testimony, David Bellin told her he didn't believe a word of what she was saying. Taken aback by the comment, Miss Adams then asked that Sandra Stiles, the co-worker who accompanied her down the stairs, be questioned. The request was refused. Instead, the Warren report would imply that Miss Adams had made the descent alone. 
When Ms. Adams next sought to be included in any of the numerous time tests regarding Oswald's escape from the building, the request was refused. In fact, Ms. Adams was the only person excluded from those time tests. In lieu of searching for the truth, commission lawyers chose to cast aspersions on her honesty by fostering a scenario that placed her on the staircase much later than when she said, inflating that time to some five minutes after the shooting. In lieu of evidence proving Miss Adams was correct, the commission chose to use against her words she has vehemently denied making. It also employed the dubious statements of a man who not only failed to identify Miss Adams, but gave every indication of having been coached prior to his official testimony. That the Warren Commission may have made an honest mistake in their handling of Victoria Adams was clearly shown otherwise by the discovery of a Justice Department letter written in June 1964. The letter spoke of an interview with Miss Adams' work supervisor who confirmed that Miss Adams and her co-worker, Sandra Stiles, were in fact on the staircase during the time Oswald was to have been there. That memo should have provoked immediate and searching inquiry. Instead, it was suppressed for 35 years. The story of Victoria Adams now invalidates the official theory concerning Oswald's movements in the minutes following the shooting. In fact, it raises a grave question as to whether Lee Oswald was even on the sixth floor at all. The Warren Commission was conscious of this dilemma. It was aware that Miss Adams was accurate four months before it wrote that she wasn't. Yet rather than confront the problem and seek out the facts, as was its intended and widely expressed goal, it infringed upon the integrity of Victoria Adams, a young woman who did nothing more than what we are all taught to do, tell the truth. Sandra Stiles was working on the fourth floor of the book depository on the day of the assassination. This is her first televised interview. Sandra watched the president's motorcade approach the book depository from her office window. The motorcade turned left onto Elm Street. And as it got just past the turn, we heard the three shots. The presidential car stopped. We could see Mrs. Kennedy's hot pink suit moving around, and that was about all that we could see. My co-worker, Vicki Adams, said, let's go down and see what's happening. That could have put Sandra and Vicki in the stairwell at the same time Lee Harvey Oswald should have been racing down the stairs. While I was in the stairwell, I did not see Lee Harvey Oswald at all. Sandra's co-worker, Vicki Adams, didn't see Oswald either. Vicki told her story to the Warren Commission in 1964. Then, she disappeared. Author Barry Ernest spent 35 years tracking her down. When I located her, Vicki told me she feared for her life because her account seriously undermined the commission's conclusion that Oswald had fired from the sixth floor. So the Warren Commission wants us to believe this. Lee Harvey Oswald fired three shots in 5.6 seconds in the southeast corner of the Texas School Book Depository. After firing the shots, he wiped the rifle clean of fingerprints, stashed the rifle, ran through a maze of books across the sixth floor, down four flights of stairs, past two women who never saw him, and was seen by Officer Marion Baker on the second floor buying a Coca-Cola. 
Not out of breath, not shook up, but very composed. That's the lie that they've sold to the American public for close to 60 years. Next time on The End of Innocence, the JFK assassination, we'll begin looking at the witness statements from Dealey Plaza. What did they see? Where did the gunshots come from? We'll see you next time.